Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 14, 25. And all the people of the land or the district entered the forest, and there was honey on the ground. Now, don't you love this? Nobody's eaten anything. They go into the forest. Oftentimes battles took place in forests, but this appears to be like a, a meeting, a break, a respite to get a little, you know, R&R and maybe kind of regather the troops. And when the people entered the forest, behold, doesn't it, doesn't it always happen <laughs> when you're fasting? There was a flow of honey, not just honey. It was a land. It was a forest flowing with honey. Anybody like honey out there? I like honey. Make a nice little biscuit with honey. Oh, ho, ho, ho. That could be my meal right there. But no man, now picture the army. No man put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. Oaths were taken very seriously in those days unlike today. In the Near East, they reckoned oaths to have divine authority. The honey was right there. For me, it would be like having yogurt machines right there. The ha- All you got to do is pull down the handle. When I go to the yogurt place, I get 27 sample cups. Boom, boom, boom. And then I leave and I say, I'm full. I'm not going to buy anything. <laughs> Can you imagine... <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be a man of integrity, Pastor? I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I buy something after I gorge myself on samples. Boy, that looks wonderful. There's just one catch. Can't have any. Can't touch that. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. Even though it's there. Can't have any. And what do you think the army's probably doing now? Whether out loud or in your mind, who is your number one enemy now? Saul. This, you know, Saul. You're Saul, 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 Saul. What has he done to us? Nobody can partake. Nobody can eat. You see, when we lack faith, we make big mistakes that can impact a lot of people. We start operating in the flesh. And we say, well, I don't have to take everything that God says seriously. I can pick and choose. And then we lose touch of the sacred. And then promises don't mean anything anymore. And this is true in the body of Christ. It's true in us. One writer says, The Bible's remarkable teacher teaching is that those who think like that and therefore behave like that are foolish. They don't think every word applies to them. The fool says in his heart, What does he say? There is no God. Psalm 14.1 This psalm is not speaking just of a theoretical atheist who argues philosophically against the existence of God. No doubt such a person is included. 
But the psalm speaks of all who live as if there is no God. To disobey God's commands is the outward expression of the inward thought. And such a person, says this author, is a fool. And if you read Psalm 14, what you'll discover is that the fool that says in his heart there is no God says that not on evidential grounds. He says it, she says it, because they want to do what they want to do. The next verses say they've all become corrupt because they want to live out whatever their uh, sexual mores or corrupt uh, ways are. So they say, there's no God. There's no God. Because then they don't have to obey God, or at least they've convinced themselves that they don't. Or it doesn't apply in this situation. Or I'm the exception. Or there's a loophole somewhere in this. But Jonathan had not heard, look at verse 27, when his father put the people under the oath. Remember, he had snuck away with the armor bearer and he was the one responsible for the victory. Therefore, he put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb. I mean, when Jonathan saw what was going on, he was like, this is the land, the forest flowing with milk and honey, baby. This is cool. And he stuck his staff in the honeycomb and he put some to his mouth and his eyes brightened. <laughs> I don't know if he had low blood sugar or what was going on. But all of a sudden, man, have you ever, has that ever happened to you? You just taste a little, oh, ring. you feel like you have energy now to, to go on, right? Oh, that's good. Yeah. We can keep going now. But you could imagine that not everybody was happy about the development because Jonathan comes strolling in. Ignorance is bliss, right? There's honey everywhere. I don't know what your guys' problem is, but let's dip in. And then one of the people answered and said, Hey! That's in the Hebrew. Hey! Your father strictly put the people under an oath saying, Cursed be the man who eats food today. And the people were weary. <laughs> Can you see it? Bunch of people turn around. Ah, you! You're his kid, aren't you? Yeah. You don't know what your dad did? He's got us all starving over here. The honey's coming to our feet. Can't touch it. And you, what have, what have you done? Your dad said, if somebody does that, it's a curse. And Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. You know, Jonathan already knew what his dad was about. You know, sometimes we say, when did Saul actually blow it? When did his true colors come out? When, when was it really clear that he wasn't a very good leader? You know, his son already knew. He goes, my dad's troubled the land. If you want to write in your Bible, you could just say it this way. Jonathan said, my dad's a fool. I feel sorry for those of you who have parents who don't follow Christ. I know they're out there. We pray for them. We uh, trust that the Lord's going to work in their life. Not all of you had a good example in parents. My father, I've said to you many times, left when I was four years old. He called me one time in 31 years. Cheated on my mother. 
stole from our family business and called me once only when he thought he had a heart attack, which turned out to be a false alarm. And then I was on an Ancestry website some years ago and found out that he had died three years before I searched on that website. So you can sit there and say, well, I didn't have a good example. Or you can play the victim or you can say, no, it's going to start with me. My father has troubled the land. Spiritually weary. I was uh, down in a location doing a wedding this weekend and um, a person approached me and, and uh, they found out I was a pastor and they knew I was doing a wedding in this location. And I said, can I talk to you? They pulled me aside. Happened to be a worker at this location. I said, can I talk to you? I said, sure you can. This person said, I'm going through this and I'm struggling with that and I grew up in the church. And He said, would you pray for me? And I said, you know what's interesting about this encounter? I said, before this weekend began, I asked the Lord, please lead me to somebody that I can minister to in this location. Because I believe that the Lord can use us anywhere we are. And this man, this young man opened up his heart. And we prayed. See, I think for us, we have to understand that maybe we can see a deeper meaning in the honey. Psalm 19.10 says, They, your precepts, are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. You know the question I normally ask people who say to me, I'm struggling. I say, when's the last time you read your Bible? And more times than not, I would say 95% of the time. It's like, uh, uh, well, if you're not taking in the spiritual nourishment, let me say to you, you are going to be weary. You're just going to be weary. If you're not taking in the Word of God, Psalm 119, 102 through 105 says, I have not turned aside from thine ordinances, for thou thyself has taught me how sweet are thy words to my taste yes sweeter than honey to my mouth from thy precepts i get understanding therefore i hate every false way your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path you know you run into all people all the time who are in certain systems that claim to be christian and there's no sense that there's any emphasis on the bible and I say to people, look, the Bible is your spiritual food. And if you don't take it in, you are going to be weak. Amen? Isn't that why you're here tonight? I know you have many options. But you know that the Word of God has become essential to the power with which you can live out the Christian life. You can't do it without the Lord's word in your life and so the people were wary and look at verse 29 then jonathan said my father 
It's trouble the land. See now how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. I just want to stop there for a second. Just a little is better than nothing. You know, sometimes, I'm no Bible scholar. How don't I do this? I... <laughs> what should I read today? Look, if you read one verse a day, if it was the 20th of the month and you read Psalm 20, if it was the 25th of the month and you read the 25th proverb, you would be getting at least a little bit of honey. You know what I'm talking about? But I'm an all or nothing kind of person. And you're setting yourself up for a fall. See, a little of the word goes a long way. A lot of the word goes a longer way. Amen? And I know, because I know so many of you personally, and I know we're, a lot of us are in Bible studies together, you know how important this is. So sometimes we're a little perplexed when we see so many weary Christians. Well, it's not hard to figure out. doesn't mean you don't get weary because you read the Bible, but you know what I'm saying. And so, notice this insight. Jonathan says, how much more, see how my eyes have brightened from the honey, if only the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they, had, they found, for now the slaughter among the Philistines has not been great. I just want to make another point. I know this is not the direct exegesis, but here's my point. How much more could have been done if only... And Jonathan's point is, only if my dad would have let the army eat, how much more ground could we have taken? How much, more, how much greater would the victory have been? How much differently would I have responded if I had prayed before this encounter with this person? If I had brought God into this difficulty in this business situation? And so... He says it could have been a lot better. It could have been a lot greater. Now I know we're all feeling a measure of conviction. I'm joining the party with you. I say that all the time. Should have prayed a little bit more before that one. <laughs> Should have practiced. Do you remember that? James 1.19. I should have been more quick to listen. Do you ever go back and look at a relationship that you've had for years and go... Something like this. I don't know how well I really know that person because I haven't stopped long enough to hear their heart. Wow. And they struck among the Philistines 31 that day from Michmash to Ihalon. That's modern Yalu. And the people were very weary. Now they traveled about, you said, well, you might be thinking, well, the Lord's the one that gave him the victory. He confused the Philistines. But they traveled 18 miles from Michmash to Ahalon uh, in battle. There was long battle, long travel. And the people were reminded, once again, are very weary. And the people, after they had won this victory, rushed greedily upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. Now, I don't know if the sun has gone down and so the people said, well, uh, his oath is over because he had mentioned the, the day and it's a new day. 
Or if they thought, well, the, the Philistines are on the run and we won the battle and that's all Saul really wanted anyway. It's time to eat. We're having a party. That honey's still in my mind that I didn't eat back there. We're eating. And you know what they did? They took the spoils of war. They took the sheep. They took the oxen. They started to kill them. But there was dietary laws and they were supposed to do this a certain way, and they started eating the animals. There's not even a mention of cooking. I would imagine they threw stuff on the fire, but they started eating them with the blood. How many of you are rare steak eaters? We need to pray for you guys. (laughs) We were having a conversation over a meal recently with a young man I didn't know, and uh, just getting to know him, and he goes... There, somehow rare steaks came up. <laughs> he goes, I like mine with a little blood still on the plate. And I'm like, brother, we need to pray for you. That, that's just wrong. <laughs> well, they weren't supposed to partake of the blood because the blood was used in the sacrifices. And God said, said in Genesis 9, the life is in the blood. So they were supposed to drain the blood out. It was supposed to be done on an altar and the correct way. But the people said, it's time to eat. They said, the, this, this uh, oath is over. And the people went a bit, as they say in modern vernacular, a bit cray-cray. <laughs> they went crazy, man. Uh, the NIV puts it <laughs> great. It says they pounced on the plunder. I mean... People were taking these animals and they were eating and they were... And do you see what's happening here? I hope you can see it. Remember I told you when a leader does silly things, he affects all these people. Because Saul made them take the silly oath, they didn't do things the right way with the next meal they had. And so they broke another law of God and they started eating the food with the blood. And though, so then they told Saul, 33, and behold, the people, they said, are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, you have acted treacherously. Roll a great stone to me today. And Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, each one of you bring, would you notice, me. Is he the priest? Bring me his ox or his sheep and slaughter it here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. And so all, that, all the people that night brought each one his ox with him and slaughtered it there. Now, Saul had built this altar. Notice it says Saul built an altar to the Lord, and I think it included for sacrifice. And I think there's a bit of sarcasm here by the author. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. It's amazing how self-righteous Saul can get when other people are blowing it, right? He's making all these mistakes, but now he's saying, well, the people are sinning against the Lord. Tell them to stop. Of course, they shouldn't have been doing it. And Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night. Take a spoil among them until morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. I don't know if that's a little bit of a sarcastic response like okay Saul whatever right so the priest said look at 36 how about we pray about this one let us draw near to God here can you see the pattern in Saul's life has he not learned yet 
He says, we're going to go, we're going to do more, but there's been no inquiry of the Lord at all. And the priest said, hey, let's draw near to God here. The, the phrase to draw near means to worship, to seek the Lord, to inquire of him. And Saul inquired of God, and he said, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will thou give them into the hand of Israel? But he, that is God, did not answer him on that day. Some scholars of Hebrews say he did not give him a positive answer, which could mean that God said no. If we just take the plain reading of the text here, it says he didn't answer him on that day. Now, how many of you have ever run into this dilemma? You're praying about something, right? And you say, okay, God, the pastor said, before I do the next dumb thing I'm considering to pray. Okay? Here I am. Here's the situation. Clock is ticking. Come on. Hello? Did, should I wet the blanket? <laughs> should you dry it? What, right? What we want is we want an instant answer right now. Do you know, somebody's mentioned this they said, sometimes when you have these little annoyances that happen in life and, and they've delayed you, maybe the, the delay is divine. And we're all upset about it. And then we find out if I would have been there five minutes earlier, something bad would have happened to me. We get impatient. So we pray about something, but then we give God the timing by which he must answer us, right? So who's God in this equation? Okay, well, at least I prayed about it. You're not answering, so I'm going, right? Well, part of what God does when he teaches you to pray is he teaches you to wait for his answer and his timing. Sometimes we think when we pull the, the lever of prayer, it's an automatic. I did my part, now God, you do your part which is what I wanted you to do in the first place. I just sprinkled prayer on it to make it sound spiritual. Wait a minute. Who's directing who here? See, the priest said, no, let's draw near to God. Now, Saul did the right thing by asking the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him right away. Uh, it could be that they were using the Urim and the Thummim, but the answer didn't come right away. Uh, I just want to park here for a second. If you're praying about something right now and you don't have a clear answer yet, one good thing to do is to wait. I will tell you from up here, failed many times. Uh, it's not always easy to discern what God may be uh, showing you. And sometimes it takes multiple layers of bathing something in prayer. Sometimes, if something doesn't happen right away, maybe there's a divine delay. Maybe God's caused you to wait so that you can find out a little bit more about his will or his perfect timing. And Saul said, 38, draw near here all you chiefs of the people and investigate and see how this sin has happened today. For as the Lord lives who delivers Israel, though it is in Jonathan my son... He shall surely die, 
But not one of all the people answered him. Now here's the deal. Saul's trying to find out why he's not getting an answer quick. And he figures there must be sin in the camp. And so he says, you know what? We're going to find out. I'm calling all the head officials together, all the heads of the families, literally the corners of society, and we're going to find out who the problem is. Problem was, he failed to look in the mirror because the problem was him. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him. And they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I want to get this book in your hands because I believe it's going to help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. Right now, you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith. Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross, 
and his resurrection and, and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ.